John chapter 1, beginning in verse 35. It says, The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means when translated Peter. Jesus called Philip and Nathanael. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathanael asked, come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Heavenly Father, bless the rest of this worship service as we continue to sing praises to your name, as we continue to open your word and learn from it. Open our hearts to reconcile and connect with you. Amen. All right. Well, thank you guys for being here today as we kind of tackle the third iteration of Headspace, Attention with Intention. And we're talking about the idea of our our mindset in our modern world. You know, the truth is, is that it's real easy to get off, uh, especially when things have been so off uh, for our world recently. Um, there are top five mental health challenges that are facing young people and students. I saw this on a uh, website, and you can go to this next slide here, the top five mental health challenges, and that's from bestcolleges.com. And so you can see those. I don't know if you guys can read each one of these ones at the bottom. The five most common mental health challenges that are facing students in college, um, you know, what many of us have said, oh, that's the best time of your life. Well, these are the things that they're facing. They're facing depression, anxiety, suicide, eating disorders, and addiction. These are no joke. 
These are things that young people are facing, and it's not just simply those in college. It's those who are in high school as well as college. It's a scary place out there in our headspace. And so I want to talk about this because the truth is, is that the Bible's pretty clear that almost all of the changes that God desires for us to make are things that begin in our mind. And so whenever we're talking about how we change our mind and become more godly in the ways that we think, in the patterns of our thoughts, these are things that God uses to change us from the inside out. Now let's go to this next slide here. And as you look at the dealing with mental health, one in five are dealing with an anxiety disorder. One in three today are showing signs of that anxiety disorder, even if they have not necessarily been diagnosed. And check this, this one out here. 42% of people in their 20s are dealing with an anxiety disorder. So this is no joke. And it is not just something that you know, affects you know, bad kids or these kids that are doing all the wrong things. This is stuff that we're seeing all across the board. So it's so important that we grasp and understand that this is you know, just maybe one very narrow look in who is kind of struggling with things. But you guys know as well as I do, this stuff is happening out there in our world. Folks are dealing and having a problem finding some clarity and some peace in their headspace. And so we're talking a little bit about that over the next couple of weeks. And as we move towards uh, Thanksgiving, we'll be sharing some scriptures and things like that for Thanksgiving and then into uh, our Christmas time. So we won't be doing this, you know, you're not going to be here as we do our candlelight service. And I'm like, Headspace, volume 12, let's go. It's not going to be like that. So y'all hang with me. But let's keep going here to this next slide. And you can see there was a, a man named Todd Henry who has a podcast called The Accidental Creative. And he put out a podcast. And as he visited with some people, the authors that are on this book here, Adrian Gostick, Chester Elston, uh, they both said, every single psychologist has told us it is possible you can build strength in your mental makeup and in your mindset. And so this is really important to grasp and understand. If you've ever told yourself, well, this is just something that I do and this is just who I am, I want you to know that that may be partially true, but it's not all the way true. Just like, I mean, I, if I'm totally, totally skilled in basketball, I'm probably going to struggle a little bit to make the NBA being a 5'9 guy, you know. But I can be really, really good, and it is possible. So the thing is, is that ultimately... If you are struggling with your mental health, it's not just something where you go, well, this is just what I do when I get down, or this is just how it is for me. It doesn't have to be. You can be stronger and you can develop strength, but it takes work and takes effort and takes focus on your mental energy uh, and, and your mindset. So let's go to this next slide here. And we've talked a little bit uh, on these last couple of Sundays. The first step was to quiet the noise. And we talked about how many things are coming at us, especially in our modern world. Things are just coming at us at such an incredible rate that it's hard for us to grasp. We, if you really think about it, for example, or for instance, if you can kind of see the carpet, you can kind of see the carpet here, but you can see it's not one of those solid colors. There's you know, threads that you can see. There's even little, you know, things that you can see within the thread. Well, that's the dark thread. That's the light thread. That's the medium thread, right, etc. Well, it's all of these little bitty bits. There's 11 million of them that are coming at us at any one second. And if you stop long enough and go, okay, 
forgetting all of these people and the little pieces of information on their faces. I'm going to just focus in on this one little thing. It's one out of 11 bit or 11 million bits of information coming at you. But you and I can only handle about 40 at a time. That's insane, the difference between what's coming at us and what we can actually put headspace on. And if you've ever doubted that being a true thing, a true statement, how many of you have done what I said, and I shared this with you the first week, how many of you have ever done this when you're driving down the road, you're great, you know, but when you back up, you have to turn down the radio so you can focus on what you're doing? Like, I don't have enough headspace to listen to this music out that volume and back up, you know, that shows us we got problems with how much we can handle. All right, let's go quickly to the next. We talked about this as well, how first we quiet the noise, but another way is we feel again. In other words, with that much coming at us and realizing that we can only process 40 and we can only remember about four, then it's very easy for all of the stuff that is bombarding us that's basically trying to get us to emotionally respond to stuff. If we're if we're not very careful, it can become an emotionally numbing thing to just simply exist. Can I get an amen on that, right? It's almost emotionally numbing just to exist in 2021. And can I just, can I slow down for just a quick second? I'm going to gear it down. For our kids whose brains and minds and mental synapses are still being worked through, are still developing and have not yet, they tell us that the brain of a child does not stop really kind of developing until at least age 25 with all of the synapses and various things like that. And so our kids are living in a world that is very, very difficult for them to have clarity on what they're facing. And so if you have ever needed to have a little bit of grace for your kids, you know, like this is it. They're struggling with all that same stuff and they're struggling with the brain that hasn't even been fully finished in its development quite yet. Now, it's a good thing that their brains are that adaptive, but it is also hard. That's why sometimes it's difficult for our kids to kind of process all of these things and while they're struggling with some of the things that we talked about early. By the way, if you are struggling with some of those things, you are not ever, ever, ever alone. Ever. Please reach out. You have people that love you. You know that. Don't ever forget that. There are people that love you in your home. There are people that love you here in this church today that will want to help you if you're struggling really bad. And so we remember how to feel again, and that helps us to kind of re regain things in our headspace. So let's kind of keep moving here today as we go to this next slide. And this is our something to learn. This is something that we learned last week, and we want to talk a little bit more about this. And this is that biblical Greek has six tenses. Like we have a past, present, and what's the next one? Future tense. Well, biblical Greek actually has six different ones. We have a few more as well, but we usually just know about those main three. But if you look closely, there's one tense called the present imperative active tense, and it implies continued and sustained action. And the passage that I preached about from last week where it was said, set, and it should be Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it basically is saying, set your minds on things above, but really the best um, rendering of it, the best way to fully understand what's going on is it's in that present imperative active tense. And it basically means set and keep on setting your mind on things above. 
Set and keep on setting your heart on the things that God has going on in your life. This is the same tense where it says, if we walk and keep on walking as he is in the light, then his blood keeps cleansing us from all of our sins from 1 John chapter 1. And so as we look at this, we understand that this is a decision that we have to make This is not something that we've decided and then it's done. It's a decision that we have to make and keep on making. How many of you guys know that, (laughs) right? I mean, you've been there where you had good intentions. You want to keep going down that right road, but then later you're not making those same good decisions and suddenly the way gets cloudier and it's a little darker and the headspace gets to be a little bit more tight rather than that free-flowing, open thing that you're looking for. So this is what we know. It is a continuous decision, and we have to keep on making it. Let's keep moving here to our next slide, and this is important. Technology speeds up time in our lives, tempting us in each moment to fill our attention to the brim. This leads us to remember less because it is only when we pay attention to something that our brain actively encodes it into memory. In other words... You have to pay attention with intention in order to really fully be engaged in your life. Let's go to our next slide here. And today, as we go a little further, how many of you know what this is? It's crazy, right? How many of you guys in here like Mark Zuckerberg? I'm just curious. I mean, just asking for a friend. Any of y'all like Mark Zuckerberg? I don't know why, but I, I don't know. I don't like him. I don't know why I don't like him. I mean, I love him in the Lord, but he bothers me. I don't know what it is. Um, Is it just me? All right, fine. Y'all judge me. That's fine. They're changing Facebook's name to Meta. Um, I, I don't know what to say. I'm not on Facebook, so it's not a big deal for me. If you are on Facebook, I want you to know something. Every time it sounds like I'm bragging that I'm not on Facebook... I just want you to know the reason I'm not on Facebook is because my wife's on Facebook and I can find out anything I actually want to know because my wife wades through all the junk on Facebooks for me, you know? So this is not something that I just kind of claim as some badge of honor, but I mean, it's a strange thing that our world is very, very different than it used to be. But you know where this, where this started, right? I mean, I'm not saying that have you seen the movie or anything like that, but you know this basically is scratching an itch. Right? I, I want to be close to my kids. My kids don't live in this state anymore. I want to know what's going on with my kids. And so because of that, now they're, hey, you guys know, everybody in your 20s, y'all know, my kids aren't on Facebook. That's where their parents hang out and their grandparents hang out. Can I get an amen from the 20s and younger, right? I mean, like, they're like, Facebook, whatever. But Meta may actually be pulling them in because it has to do with, um, I think, virtual reality and some cool things like that that the kids actually know or are excited about and all that. But the whole thing does not become literally one of the biggest companies on earth if it's not touching a need in every single one of us. Am I right? I mean, as much as, as, much as I want to make sure and warn you against things on social media and stuff like that, the reason there is such a thing as social media is because... You and I want to stay connected. There's a connection that we want and desire in our world and in our lives with our important people. And all of that stuff is getting fed 
through Facebook, which is now becoming meta, it's Instagram, all these other things, TikTok, all this other stuff. And it's becoming something that touches us in a place and in a way that really is close to our hearts. It's bringing us into important relationships. So let's keep moving here. And I believe we're here at the big idea, if I'm not mistaken. The next slide. Yep, it is not good for the man to be alone. The Bible tells us that as God created everything in this world, he created this and then he created that. He created this, then he created that. He went all the way down the line. And the Bible says after every single thing, whenever he created the land, he saw that it was good. He created the night and the day and created these different parts of our our 24 hours. And he saw and said that it was good. And he goes all the way through and he sees animals and birds and plants and fish and all these things. And they're all declared by God to be good. And then finally, he looks down and he says... It is not good. This is the first not good in history. God looks down and he says, It's not good for the man that I created to live his life by himself in isolation. It's not good. And so no matter how we scratch that itch, this is how we are created. We are created to be in relationships and with one another. As a matter of fact, I say this all the time, and maybe you can hear it for the first time, maybe you haven't listened, or maybe it's one more time to reaffirm, we talk about one of the things that we do to punish people for not doing the right things. When they're really bad, we throw them in prison. But then there's even a further thing that we can do to punish someone even further than taking away their freedom. Y'all know what that is? We put them in solitary confinement. And as a matter of fact, the World Health Organization has figured out and they they even have uh, decided that there's only a certain length of time that a person can be held in solitary confinement because the longer that you hold them past those days, the more warped and more twisted their minds become eventually to a place where they can never get back to a place of mental health. So today, I've talked already in these last couple of weeks about the headspace and how do we get it. We, we do that by kind of quieting the noise a little bit. We do that by feeling again. And today, you may or may not have seen this coming, but if you want your headspace to be something that is healthy and not something that is tearing you down, you cannot live life alone. And by the way, we say that we're, we're not alone But yet, we really are. And and even whenever we know that there's somebody on the other line and somebody on the other side, it's not quite the same, right? I mean, you guys know, right? Y'all have been in a virtual meeting (laughs) versus a real meeting, right? There's just something different. There's just something different. I will tell you, I'm not here cracking on technology. When my oldest daughter, Tori, was over overseas and teaching English overseas, she was gone for about 15 months. I didn't have a chance to see her but once in that 15 months, except for I got a chance to see her on Skype. That's that thing that Zoom replaced, y'all. Y'all remember Skype? And so we talked on Skype, and I could see her face, and I could see how she was doing. And I could even tell sometimes when she was really good and sometimes when she wasn't quite so good. But you know this is true. Technology is the vehicle that helps us, but it doesn't do the same as just seeing one another. And actually, I'm not, I didn't intend to call somebody out, but, but uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Miss Hall, 
Wave at everybody for a second. All right, this is Miss Hall. She came up and saw me during the pandemic up here, and she brought some things to me. And uh, I said, well, you know, we were doing that whole, I'm standing on this side of your car, you're standing on that side of your car thing. And I was trying to be good, and, and I was like, well, listen, it's really good to see you. And she's like, yeah, you know, we're just kind of like drifting towards one another a little bit. And finally I said, well, you know, I guess I'll go ahead and let you go, and I really wish I could give you a hug. And she goes, well, I don't mind that. And I was like, well, I don't mind it either. And so we gave one another his hug, and it was like the ice just broke, right? You remember that. Do you, tell me you remember that. Tell me it meant something to you as well. All right. You know what I'm saying? You, you remember the awkward dance that we used to do with the whole, are we doing the elbow bump, or what, what is an elbow bump? I mean, fist bump, all the... So the problem for us is, is that our modern world isolates us, and then the pandemic turned it to 10. And so it's really hard for us to find a way back to a headspace where we are feeding off of each other in a positive way. And can I just say, I don't mean to be really harsh on our world and on ourselves here, because for some of us, we really did have to get to the place where we say, no, 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 I got to focus on this and make sure I'm okay especially in the first few months when we didn't know what was going on with our world, if this was going to literally, you know, cause everyone that ever contracted the disease to die immediately. Like, we didn't know. Y'all remember the very beginning. And so we had to kind of keep our distance. But as we've kind of been moving forward in the pandemic, we've had a hard time finding the healthy way to get back to where the focus is not always on me. And instead, it gets a lot more about we. And you know what? I'm, uh-oh. Is it, okay. If I need this here in a minute, I'll just start yelling. I can do that too, but I should be good. Okay, they're giving me the thumbs up. But for, for a long time, we focused so much on us, and now we have to turn it back out or else we're going to keep going down this path of where we're not wanting, <laughs> we don't want to go. We don't want to end where this path ends if every single one of us lives basically only for me. All right, so very quickly, it is not good for man or mankind to be alone. If we could go back, if you don't mind, we're all going to say this aloud together. Um, it is not good for the man to be alone. That's God speaking in Genesis chapter 2. You guys just do the quote with me alone at this time. Would you all do it? Ready? One, two, three. It is not good for the man to be alone. And you can also put in the woman, right? Not good for mankind to be alone. That's what God is trying to convey to us. And very quickly, I want to talk a little bit about this. This passage of scripture that Eric just read a few moments ago from John chapter 1. If you've ever read that, it's a really interesting passage of scripture because it's the, the story of how Jesus is meeting these disciples of his who he's about to share his life with every moment of the next three years of his life. And he's meeting them for the very first time. So let's go to this next slide. And this is another something to learn. When Jesus walked the earth, he was intentional about how he would live his daily life. And it was life lived with the 12 disciples. They were all from different backgrounds. And they were even divided into the inner circle and the other nine. The inner circle was three. That was Peter, James, and John. You can go through the Gospels and see how many times this says that Jesus was alone with Peter, James, and John. Or Peter, James, and John, and Jesus were walking somewhere together. Or whatever the story might be. They were the inner circle. 
Do you remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? I want to talk about that for just a quick second. You may be saying, well, Randy, of course. Well, he just needed to give them all the things that they needed to learn. So when he left, yeah, I get that. I know that the teaching was part of it. But if it was just about teaching and not about encouragement and not about Jesus pouring into them and receiving back from them, when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and the nine were here and he pulled the other three and he said, please stay and keep watch with me and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. If Jesus didn't need them in his life at that moment, he would have said, guys, catch you tomorrow, but he didn't. And so let me just, can I just be real blunt and real clear? If Jesus Christ, with all of his power, clarity, understanding, sense of purpose, all of these things that he has in so much more abundance than we do, if he knew that he needed to be intentional about bringing people into his world and walking with them and having a relationship that went further than just the surface, I promise you, you and I do. Can I get an amen on that? Amen? We need it. And unfortunately for many of us, we don't look at ourselves and say, I'm here to be a blessing when we come to this church. We say, I'm here to receive a blessing, and I want you to. I really do. But if you come... And the only thing that you ever do is receive a blessing and never become a blessing. You've missed at least half of the point of getting together in a church. Because the truth of the matter is, is that the Bible tells us that we are all one body and that we need one another. And so as we share this time of our world together, remember there are people that need you. They want to bless you, but they also need to be blessed by you. And for many of us in modern Christianity, we are so busy seeking a blessing that we forget that sometimes the best way to get a blessing is to be one. I'm going to say that one more time and y'all can get your amen ready. Okay, here we go. Sometimes we forget that the best way to receive a blessing is to go out and be one. You know what I'm saying? That's it. It's not just simply, hey, I'm here to receive a blessing. I'm here to receive a blessing. Here to receive a blessing. Well, it is also about being a blessing. This is how Jesus chose to live. Is that me? Do I need batteries? <laughs> Eric, are you trying to hurry me along? Because I will not be hurried by you, sir. I'm kidding. All right, so very quickly, let's go to this next slide. And uh, as we go to this next slide, John chapter 1. Verse 38, 39, and then down in 43. I want you to grasp something. This is probably a little confusing. This is something that you might not have ever heard. Uh, so turning around, Jesus saw them, and he asks, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. And then you see that little dot, dot, dot there. We skip down to verse 43. So he invites the disciples to come and see where he's living See where he's staying. And then they stay with him. <laughs> it's late at night, and they just stay with him. They don't go home. And then the next day, he sees another person following, and he says the same thing. So let me just say this real quickly. If he knew that those people were going to stay with him, and he didn't want that to accidentally happen again, he would not have invited the next guy to come and follow him, right? Right? So 
He knows what he's doing. He's intentionally asking, please come and see where I live and come and follow me. And then the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And finding Philip, he said to him, come and follow me. And if you looked at there uh, in that passage of Scripture that we just read, that Eric read a minute ago, uh, at the end of John chapter 1, Jesus is speaking and he says, Nathanael, here is a man and an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And he goes, how do you know who I am? This is a little unclear, and the Bible isn't very, very open about exactly what's going on. But if you know the story of Jacob, the man who would later be called Israel, Jacob was having a dream. And as he was dreaming, he saw angels ascending and descending. You guys have heard of Jacob's ladder before, right? That's where that's coming from, from the scriptures all the way back in the book of Genesis. And so as you read this passage of scripture, Jesus says, here's an Israelite in whom is no deceit. That word deceit is the root phrase or the root name for Jacob, which means deceiver. You guys with me? And so if you look at the deceiver that Jesus is, you, there's no deceit in this guy. And he says, how do you know who I am? And he says, I knew you before you woke up from the nap you were taking under the fig tree. And he goes, are you kidding me? He's like, this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. And then Jesus goes him one better and he says to him, you're going to see better than this. You're believing just because you saw, or I said I saw you under the fig tree. But I'm telling you that you're going to see the angels ascending and descending, not on Jacob's ladder, but on the Son of Man. And so I think what's going on here, and many scholars say that what they think is going on is that Nathaniel is having a dream while he's under the fig tree, and Jesus starts speaking to him about all of these things that were like the touch points of his dream, and he's blown away. It's like, this guy is in my mind. He truly is the Messiah. And he said, you haven't seen anything yet. And so this is so incredible, and it is such a beautiful reminder that this is the God who knows us so intimately that he even knows our thoughts. But we have to be a lot more purposeful, a lot more intentional if we're going to reach out and connect with those around us. Because the truth is, is we're always wanting people to read our mind and things never get done the way that we wish they would, but we never actually open our mouths and say, I need something. I need help. I need someone to be there and stand with me. And it's very important that we grasp this. Now, <laughs> I don't know if you know this or not, Pers uh, just a minute for a public service announcement. Tonight is Halloween. Did you know that? Happy Halloween to you. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. There will be small children coming to your house tonight dressed up in costumes, and you are intended and expected to provide them candy to let them eat this candy from a stranger wearing a mask. Nothing weird at all about this. Have y'all ever stopped to think, where did we come up with this crazy thing, you know? All right. So just be aware. Don't be that guy. Or if you're going to be that guy or that girl, turn off your light, right? Happy Halloween. I'm talking about the scary business of being alone. And ooh, it's scary. All right. So here we go. Let's go to this next slide very quickly. Why is being 
alone so scary? Here's why. A few things, and we're going to move through them quickly. Positive, lasting change happens in community and rarely, if ever, in isolation. The truth of the matter is, is if you want to change and long-term hold on to that change, it's not going to be done by yourself. It's going to be done in a community because we tend to become consumed with self to an unhealthy degree. The more that I, I think about you know, and, and worry about me, and the more that I make it about me, the more I feel like I have to make it about me. So we got to be very careful that when that happens, that we don't forget to turn back outward. Let's go to this next slide. And then this is this passage of Scripture that I've shared with you over the last couple of weeks. When Jesus is speaking, and he's speaking to his critics He's speaking to those who are trying to stumble him, make him stumble and fall and say, well, what is the most important uh, commandment? And Jesus says, I'm going to tell you what the most important commandment is, and then I'm going to tell you something that you didn't ask but you need to hear. He says, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your what? Mind. We've been talking about mind and headspace. Your mind and your headspace is supposed to have room for God, does it? does it? So this is the first and greatest commandment, but then Jesus does not stop there. He says, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second one is just like it. You didn't ask me about the second one, but I'm about to tell you about the second one. The second one is like it. What is the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, in modern Christianity in 2021, you can get by and you can even sound real spiritual And never, ever, ever think about anybody but yourself. Jesus wouldn't let his opponents get away with that, much less his children. You didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you. The second one is just like it. You want to love the Lord in every way that you possibly can, but don't forget that you also have to love your neighbor. And it starts off with full-size Reese's cups tonight in Halloween bags. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but just me. Okay, all right. Now, we have to love our neighbor. That's what it is all about. It's not just simply about receiving. It is also being that blessing. Let's go to this next slide. This is our one to remember from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but by, be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Any change that you want to see happen in your life has to begin first in your mind. Let's move to this next slide. And as we go there, you're not going to begin to think the thoughts of God unless you consistently and constantly get a flow of his truth into your life. And these are really easy ways to read the word. Whenever you're reading the word, it shouldn't just be about, I want to get knowledge. It should be, I want to live different. Because the Bible is not for your information, it is for your transformation. And so if you want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, you have to allow the God's word to flow in and then your actions to take action, not just simply receive it. So what is the main point? You ask that question, and then you ask, what does it mean for me today? And then ask, what is one thing I can do today to change in response to the scripture? 
If you're here in the house today, I don't think that you can see it on, on the screen, but if you're here in the house today from Matthew chapter 8, if you remember this very first passage of Scripture that I shared with you from Headspace, if you remember, we talked about the people who had leprosy and how they desperately wanted that skin touch but could not have it because they were incredibly contagious with the disease. This is sounding very familiar. Can I get an amen 2020 and 2021, right? So there you are. It's this desperation and this hunger, and you have to stay separated. And as we read from Matthew chapter 8, verse 2 and 3, the man with leprosy came and knelt before him, said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, all of his world, all of his life, he has spoken words and people have been healed, sometimes from great distances. But Jesus doesn't heal this man only with his words. The Bible tells us that he reached out and he touched him. And he said, I am willing, be clean, be healed. He healed his physical, and he also touched him in his emotions that needed just as much healing as the skin that he was in. You guys understand? So what's the main point? I would say the main point is Jesus is the healer of mind, body, and soul. I'd say, what does this mean for me today? That if I need healing, I need to go to Jesus and then what is one thing I can do today to change in response to this scripture? Well, I can quit trying to heal myself with whatever I'm trying to heal it with, whether that's porn or drugs or drinking or purchases or changing people or on and on and on the list goes. Or maybe today I don't hear it about me, I hear it about somebody else and I go, that one person that seems to be so lonely, I'm going to reach out and I'm going to touch them in some way today with my words, with my actions, and suddenly you're letting God's word change you and change your world. This is how you and I become more like what God would have us to be and less of the people that are just sitting on the sidelines. You guys with me? Amen? All right, so let's go on very quickly. Why is being alone scary? This is one more reason. Our perspective alone is a path to an imbalanced life. You and I get off balance, and we don't even realize that we're off balance, but somebody has to bring us back. And we can always find somebody who will tell us what we want to hear, but it's very hard to find people that will tell us what we need to hear, even if it's what we don't want to hear. Let's go to this next slide. All right, we got to talk about this real quick. If any of you can ride a unicycle, God bless you, it's a good thing. I want you to know that the thing on the right, option two, is not exactly the coolest thing that you've ever seen, but I'm here to tell you that the one on the left is only, always, and for no one else but you. I just want you to know that, because you can't carry groceries on that thing, right? You can't go somewhere fast on that thing. You just kind of do that. Have you ever, ever seen somebody on a unicycle? This is a cry for help, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's like, pay attention to me. Because, you, I mean, nobody just goes, you know, I'm going to run down to the store. I'm going to jump on my unicycle. No, they don't do that. They jump on their bike because, you know, or even on their tricycle. I'd rather look uncool. Yes, if you are a clown, yes, you may ride a unicycle because that's your job. Sorry, I had to bring clowns into this. Are any of y'all frightened and scared of clowns on this day? Happy Halloween to you. Clowns make you scary and nervous or any? Okay, no. All right, so if you're a clown, you can ride a unicycle. If you're not, you're drawing attention to self. 
You're seeking to have somebody pay attention, not be stable. You're seeking to have people pay attention to you and not seeking stability. Hmm, where is Randy going with this? Isn't our world desperate for people to pay attention to me? Pay attention to me, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. And in many ways, it's like we're riding around our world on a unicycle, begging for somebody to pay attention to us, but having zero stability. So desperate to be paid attention to, but not accomplishing anything of real substance. But if we can make you pay attention, then I'm happy. Is this, is this thing cutting out again? I, it got real quiet here. You see what I'm saying? I, wanna, I, I have a question for you. It's kind of a big question. Are you showing signs in the practices of your life that you are desperate for people to pay attention to you, but not exactly seeking stability? Because the truth of the matter is, is that for most of us, it's so much about us that we kind of have that unicycle situation but there's not, you know, me and others and God that provides such incredible stability. So important for us to grasp, man, it's not about us. And every time we make it about us, we get more and more desperate in our actions and our movements and the things that we do and get more and more frustrated when people aren't paying attention in the way that we want them to. It's kind of sad. Let's go to this next slide. That's the big question I already asked, so let's skip one more, and I'll keep moving here. Never skip leg day, y'all. I talked about you can get imbalanced. <clears throat> if you don't have somebody to pull you back and say, man, something's not really imbalanced in your life right now, this is what you look like personally. See, I hit you with a hard punch and then I make you laugh. That's what I'm trying to do. So why is being alone scary? Because you, you get off and there's nobody there to pull you back from the edge. You don't even realize how close you are because there's nobody around to speak into your life. And if you've got somebody who's wanting to speak into your life and you're pushing them away because it hurts, do yourself a favor and ask first, why are they saying this? Is it to hurt me or is it to help me? And if it's to help, then listen, even though it might hurt. Let's go to this next slide. Very quickly, whenever we're being alone, living alone, why is it so scary? Alone prevents us joy, <laughs> prevents joy that God intends for us. All right, now, <clears throat> follow me. I am gonna need you to look here. In, all right, so y'all see what's going on there. There's what, there's what, and then there's what. <laughs> all right, so here's how you were created. Here's how I was created. How many of you have ever had this experience where you're frustrated or angry or down or, or you know, that kind of day? I know none of y'all have ever had that. You're all Christians. All right, so here we go. But have you ever had somebody look at you with a goofy grin on their face and you're having that day? Your first reaction, this is your reaction. It's your reaction. It's my reaction. I don't know why this is. They don't have to teach us this in children's you know, classes or anything. But first you go, what? They're like smiling at you, and you're frustrated, and you go, what? 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 <laughs> and by the third what, you're already laughing. 
Am I, I'm not wrong, right? I'm right, right? I'm right, right? Why? Because you and I, we have people around us that can bring us out of the holes that we dig for ourselves or let ourselves get into. And it's almost like we resist it. But sometimes, have you noticed that a smile is contagious? For some of you, if you're not getting a lot of those, it might be because you're not giving a lot of those, even though you, you, you think you are, but you're not. Your face might not be explaining that joy that you actually think you feel. But you've been there. It's what? What? And then it's what? Right? Because the, by the third one, you're already starting to get that joy infused from someone else when you needed it. This is part of why we need one another. Because sometimes your joy is something I can't find for myself. You need to find people in your life. Hold them close if they bring joy. Let's go very quickly to this next slide. I've done thousands of interviews. After them all, the people I interview all ask the same exact things. How was that? Was it good? Was that okay? She said it doesn't matter if they're huge football players Incredible big movie stars or somebody incredibly beautiful. Doesn't matter what this person that is always searching because they're just like us. She called a couple of names of different stars that you and I would hear and go, oh, well, they don't really care. Yeah, even Beyonce cares. Was that good? Did I come out okay? Right? I mean, this is what she says. She's interviewed thousands. Why? Because we seek that connection. We seek to know that we've connected. And if we don't have it, our world starts falling flat. Let's move on quickly. Friendship multiplies joys and divides grief. We know this in our heart. We can never forget it. Very quickly, why is being alone scary? Because alone keeps you from seeing issues that keep you from health and growth. There's a story told in a book that I read one time called Habits. And it was all about how our nose becomes so used to the things that we smell consistently that there was a woman who was desperate to find a husband and have a sustainable relationship. But every time she invited them to get to know her better, come to the house, I want to cook for you. <laughs> they would come and they would never come back. The reason was that she was a game warden and that she had clothing in her house that smelled like the skunks that she had to remove from the national parks. But she didn't even know. And so every time she was like, I'm broken, people don't want me. It's like, no, it's what you've become so used to and accustomed to that's broken. Don't get it twisted. You're not broken, but you need somebody to help pull you back from the things that you want to go too far on, that I want to go too far on. And we want it to be different for us, but we don't take those steps because we just don't know. Very quickly, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Everything in our world is telling us to focus inward to find healing and joy. But as Christians, our mantra should be, when in doubt, we focus out. We focus out on those things, and that is so important. Here's the big question. There's one more that I have for you. Who is in your life that is your 911 call, and whose life has you as their 911 call? Y'all know what I mean? When everything hits the fan and you don't know where you're going to turn, who are the three people that you're going to call? 
You're going to pick up your cell phone and you're going to go, I know who I can call. I know who's going to be there for me. I know that if I call this one, he'll be there, she'll be there. I told my wife, anytime you have a problem, I want you to think the very first thought, I can call Randy because Randy wants to help. You should tell that to your kids as well. Tell it to your grandkids if, you, if your kids already know. And then whose life has you as their 911 call? Because here's the deal. You should not just strive to have three. You should strive to be on at least three people's lists as well. Because it's not just simply about what I can receive and having those three people that I can help. You should be striving to be a call for someone as well. Who has you on their 911 list and who is on your 911 list? And if you can't fill those in, just think about it. Think about it. Here's how you apply this message very quickly. You apply by beginning to intentionally build community in your daily and in your family life that reaches out to someone and then reaches up to the God who wants to change us from the inside out. So that may mean reaching back to somebody that, you know, they reached out to you, but then you didn't really kind of respond in the right way. And you need to go back and go, hey, you know, I, uh, I kind of missed the opportunity to tell you that I really do respect you, really do love the friendship, and just let you know, I don't think I was there for you like I should have been, but I wish that we could just kind of hit a reset button and redo that. Reach back out to someone if they've reached out to you. All right, so very quickly, I just want to recall what Eric has already said. The woman who we helped serve yesterday, who we had that opportunity to serve, she told us, she said, I've been crying all morning, and then you guys showed up. Isn't that cool? I mean, wasn't that awesome? Uh, if you were there and you heard her say it, it was just such a blessing, and you go, this thing's been on the calendar for all of this time. This woman didn't hear the news that we were going to be here what is God doing? God's doing something here. He's bringing about what this woman needed. And of all the joyful things, she was being blessed by us. <laughs> she was the worker, not the resident. And yet we had the opportunity to be a blessing. It was amazing. It's something that we've had scheduled, but that wasn't why we went. You guys see how good God is? where he takes even the smallest little effort and not just is a blessing in the way that you hope, but also blessing in ways that you could not have known or did not intend, but yet still an amazing blessing. The truth is, is that for us, one of the things that brings us a lot of stability, the thing that gives us stability that goes beyond what we would normally think is not looking within it's not trying to find our own solid ground. It's trying to look around and go, okay, well, these are the people in my life and I'm leaning on them for help, leaning on them for the encouragement that I need, and I'm there for them. This is what God desires and this is how God changes our headspace. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to not continually be seeking for a blessing, but instead, Lord, that we would do our very best to be a blessing. And that, Lord, if we are struggling in our own headspace, that we would grasp and understand that we probably have to be intentional about getting out of the hole that we find ourselves in. The truth is, is that ultimately, it's not just simply about us. 
We need your, your strength, your help, but we need those who are around us that you've put in our lives to help us. And I pray that we would lean on one another and that we would also be there for one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So guys, thank you so much for your time and your attention. Kids, come on in. Y'all can go ahead and be setting up. Here's what we're going to do, just simply because we've got all the things that are going on uh, online and you just, we want to be very, very careful about uh, promoting and putting out stuff for our kids. I'm going to go ahead and sign off with you guys at home. And uh, so I want to go ahead and sign off with you. I wish you could be here so you could enjoy the kids because nothing puts a smile on your face like watching a bunch of kids sing songs. It's just the way that it is. So unfortunately, you're missing it. I wish you were here, but may God bless you as you go your different ways this week, those of you who are online. And I'm going to say it, and you can say it at home in your living room. We've just heard God's word. Now let's go live it, and I'll see you next week. And the kids are coming on. As they come, we're going to get a... uh, Yeah, Eric's got the uh, microphone for the kiddos to do their thing. We've got some scriptures and some songs. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Child of God, Genesis one Yes, Lord.
you and keep you. May the Lord show you his favor and have mercy on you. And may the Lord watch over you and give you his peace. Number 6, 24 through 36. God bless you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I need the microphone from that kid or else I'm out of a job. 
Dude, seriously, that's awesome. May God bless you guys. Let's hear for our kiddos one more time. Thank you so much. May God bless you guys. And hey, as we always say, and we've already done it once today, but let's do it one more time. We've just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. God bless you. Love y'all. Y'all have a great week.